Welcome to One Giant Podcast, broadcasting on the Overtime Media Network and coming to you live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. Along with Andy Makowitz, I am Adam Armbrecht, as always, coming to you each and every week with all things New York football giants. And Andy, we've done it. We've hit the big time. We are officially on a sports podcast network. Who would have thought when we made this pact uh, over the summer and, and said we're going to start talking all things New York Giants uh, that when Daniel Jones would start, that it would turn into us making it to the big time. That being said, we obviously are here to talk about the Monday night matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. But before we do that, on our last podcast, we highlighted the Leonard Williams trade that the Giants made. We thought that there'd be some more pieces, whether for the Giants and or around the league, coming, more dominoes to fall, heading towards that Tuesday deadline. And and break the news for us, Andy, what else happened? There was a flurry of Mm. maybe non-existent, not enough draft compensation trades that went back and forth for a lot of different teams in the league. And, uh, you know, we basically said before we can judge the Leonard Williams trade, uh, we need to see what other moves the Giants make, what other pieces are going to be coming and going uh, to understand kind of where we sit. So, Adam, with all this inactivity, especially all around the league, where do you kind of see the Giants right now? Yeah, you know, we, we kind of thought that the signing of Williams was going to mean maybe a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson could be traded to recover the assets that you had shifted to, to pick up Williams. You know, I, I certainly thought that a guy like Jenkins, even some talk around Nate Soldier potentially, but a lot of these things were just maybe rumors in the wind. My takeaway is one, the trade deadline is now passed, and this is the team that we have, and we're going we're gonna to move forward into the second half of the season. And then when we look across the stadium to our, our uh, roommates, <laughs> you know, here with the New York Jets, it, I did like that, unlike the Jets, who had a lot of turmoil going on around the trade deadline, you know, Jamal Adams coming out on social media, the GM getting on radio broadcast and trying to clean some things up for them. The, uh, the, the Giants really were, were tight in-house. All the players that were maybe in these rumors came out very excited to still be on the team, and it looks like there, there's still a lot of continuity and a lot of confidence in this team as we head into the back half. I also think Gettleman was definitely trying to make phone calls and trying to see what everyone's value was. And I don't think that he was getting the return on any of the players, obviously, that he was hoping for. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is, is when we talk about, you know, Neat Solder and we talk about Janoris Jenkins and we talk about Dalvin Tomlinson, they're all under contract next year. So it's not like, uh, you know, we either had to move them now or we're losing everything we can still look to trade them in the off season and maybe the market for some of these players, um, you know, as we get closer to draft day and, and even uh, post draft, uh, maybe the market's a little bit better then. Certainly. And I think uh, you're hundred percent right that you still have these guys under control. And then in the back half of this year, we're going to touch on it when we get into the matchup with Dallas, where a guy like Sam Beal coming off finally coming off injury, looks like he's going to make his debut. There's players that can show you things in the second half that are then going to allow you to make decisions on a Janoris Jenkins or on a Dalvin Tomlinson. So the next eight games are going to be big in a lot of different ways, not just from a, uh, you know, wins and losses standpoint, but from what the moves we potentially can make in the off season are going to look like. Is there anything else that you want to touch on as far as the, the non free agency, uh, sorry, non trade deadline that occurred for the giants outside of the Williams move? I do have a bonus question for you, Adam. Hit me with it. 
So while it's not necessarily trade deadline related, um, Josh Gordon was released by the New England Patriots when they traded for Mohamed Sanu. Yeah. I've been hearing and, and reading some chatter from a lot of the Giants blogs and, and Giant websites talking about the fit and how it might make sense for the Giants to try to put a waiver claim in for him. You know, the, the Giants have the sixth overall claim, so they're pretty high up on the list. They seem to have a need for a, a number two, you know, number three wide receiver with, uh, you know, the uncertainty around Sterling Shepard's concussion issues. Um, wanted to get your thoughts. What, what do you think about Josh Gordon being floated around? Yeah, I mean, listen, outside of the, the issues that he had had prior to going to the Patriots, which seem to be non-factors now, he had a couple of little injury bugs, but you know, the uncertainty around Shepard, it seems like every week they say maybe the last couple of weeks he's going to come back and then he falls back into protocol. I, would, I wouldn't be against it. He's a big body. He obviously stretches the field. He would open up, you know, the middle for Evan Ingram, for Golden Tate. Uh, you know, I, I mean, listen, he's a talent. There's, a, there's no other way to slice it. And certainly if you have him on the roster, you see what he can do over the last eight games for you. I don't know if he feels like a long-term thing for the Giants. And I guess maybe my only concern would be if he eats into any playing time for a guy like Darius Slayton, who we just talked about, like, you know, young players getting reps and showing what they can do over the second half of the year. I wouldn't necessarily want to see Slayton losing time on the field in lieu of a Josh Gordon. I think the Giants are still um, – I don't think Leonard Williams cures everything on the defensive side of the ball. So if, if the Giants continue to give up a lot of points, that means where offense is going to be playing from behind. I could see – still uh, a lot of three wide receiver sets. So I think Josh Gordon hopefully wouldn't be taking away uh, the reps from, from Darius Slayton. It probably would be more, you know, Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler that he would be taking some of those snaps away from. I, I, I like the move and I especially like the move because if you kind of have this eight week trial with Josh Gordon and things don't work out, mm -hmm. you can get a compensatory pick for Josh Gordon and start, you know, uh, refilling the cupboard uh, from the moves like that you made with someone like Leonard Williams coming in. In the Dave Gettleman era, the Giants as an organization have done things differently than their track record would normally indicate. Trading some trading players last year during the season, making a trade for someone this year. I mean, these aren't things that you've experienced as a Giants fan over the last handful of years. So I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. And I would also certainly be interested to see maybe how the, how the lanes could open up even more so for Saquon Barkley in the running game if you have some more threats on the outside from the receiving core. So it's worth keeping an eye on, man. I'd be, I'd be excited, and I guess it would certainly at the very least give some, some additional buzz around the team as we look down into some of these, uh, these back half games. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those things that I think uh, w would be interesting to see. But as you said before, post-trade deadline, we pretty much have the team that we're going to have for the remainder of the year. Um, and that kind of pivots nicely over to the upcoming game, Monday Night Football against Dallas. Yeah, man, we're talking about Dallas Cowboys coming to East Rutherford, New Jersey to take on your New York football giants in a divisional matchup rivalry game kicking off the second half of the year. I got myself onto the Vivid Seats app, 
Found a couple of nice seats in a great row, perfect section. I'm going to this game, man. Money where my mouth is. I'm going to be supporting the New York football giants live and in person as they take on the Dallas Cowboys. So I just earned credits back on that purchase. I'm also going to get some credits back on the Nutcracker tickets that I purchased in New York City that I'm going to be taking my mom and my girlfriend Courtney to. So the Vivid Seats app is paying off big time for this guy around the holiday season because every time that you make a purchase through the Vivid Seats app, you're also going to be earning credits back. I was talking about it before. How do I get these credits, Adam? Well, guess what? When you head over to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app, you're automatically enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. So it's a win-win. On top of that, they're going to go ahead and give you a 100% buyer guarantee. Every single purchase is backed by this 100% buyer guarantee. Not a lot of things in life are guaranteed. It's going to be cold all year. I don't think so. I'm always going to have clean socks, not likely, but every purchase that you make on the Vivid Seats app is going to come with 100% buyer guarantee. And when it's time to make those purchases, if you're a new user, enter the promo code OVERTIME, that's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's right. At the time of purchase, If you are a new user, if you've been living under a rock and you have not been experiencing the Vivid Seats app, you can enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100. You and I talked about this, I think, a couple podcasts ago about how breaking down the season into four-game chunks is always a nice way to approach it. Obviously, we were 2-2 two and two in that first set. We thought that we were going to do a little bit better in that second set of games. We ended up going 1-3, and three and we now find ourselves at 2-6. and six. Uh, It's a home matchup, second matchup of the year against our division rival in the Dallas Cowboys. And we are an offense that coming into it is ranked currently 22nd with just under 20 points a game. We're 24th in yards. We're 17th in passing yards, 17th in rushing yards. What do you think we're looking at our offense taking on this Dallas defense? Let's start there in terms of the matchup. Well, I think that the Dallas defense came out the first couple of games of the year and they looked incredible. Um, you know, Leighton Vanderesh looked great. Jalen Smith looked great. And, you know, they came hot out of the gates. And I was very, very worried uh, about Dallas and their chances at, at potentially going to the Super Bowl. But then we realized that they're. 3-0, and their three wins were against the Giants with Eli Manning, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Yep. So the competition that they were playing wasn't really that great. And, you know, you kind of look at the next three games for them, the Saints, Packers, and Jets, they go 0-3. And as we can tell, you know, the Jets are not necessarily uh, world beaters at this time anyway. So uh, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball, I think they've shown – uh, that they kind of are hit or miss. I don't, I don't think that there's any consistency um, among their group, but I don't know, Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you know, it's interesting. And it, you point out those last handful of games. I, I think at the very least what it tells you, and we, we thought this earlier in the season, right? When we, when we were tricked into thinking that the giants could maybe keep themselves in this conversation around the division before the, this uh, losing streak that we've gone on, Dallas, same thing with, you know, with the Eagles, just inconsistency. Handful of games where they look strong, and certainly against teams that you think they're going to beat, 31-6 to over the Dolphins makes total sense. But then coming back, and like you said, losing to the Jets, I mean, that, that, that one is a big red flag to me in terms of what the Cowboys were thinking they could accomplish this year. 
So it's kind of hard to read what you can expect, especially from our offense going up against their defense. I do think at the very least you can anticipate that if the Giants are able to get into a rhythm early in this game, then I think that they'll be able to move the ball with some success and they should be able to score points against them. And I think it's really going to come down to, on our side of things, mistakes, right? If we can avoid those kind of things, I think offensively we can stay competitive against this unit. I couldn't agree more with you on that. I, I, I think we saw some flashes against the Lions. I think we got to find creative ways to get the ball to Saquon. I think while they do have athletic linebackers, Saquon is a matchup nightmare. And if we can get the ball to him in space, I think that's going to give us a better chance to win. Um, I, I'm going to keep kind of hit, hitting that point home uh, at the fact that we got to get the ball out in space and a little dump pass or a hook route or a wheel route, all those different ways to get the ball in his hands might be better than trying to run through an offensive line that's still a work in progress. Yes, certainly. And I think you, you also touched on, uh, you know, Vander Esch, who's, who was having a phenomenal start to the season, still is having a great year. But I think he's a guy that maybe Barkley out of the backfield can look to be a bit of a matchup issue there for them over the middle. And something that we talked about, some third down play calling selections from, from Pat Shermer, where there is going to be space in the middle of the field against any defense. And we should be able to expose those matchups with the weapons that we have offensively. Now, Say that we do have success against them with our offensive unit. Say Daniel Jones can build on the confidence he had in the Detroit game. Then we got to flip over the other side of the ball. We bring in Leonard Williams, and that's great. We're going to be going up against the sixth-ranked offense in points, first in yards, third in passing yards, fourth in rushing yards. What do analytics tell you about this, Andy? Does that feel like a strong offense to you? Yeah, I don't think you need to be a sabermetrics guy or an advanced analytics guy to say that if you're – top five in most offensive categories, you're probably a pretty good offensive team. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was my suspicion. And, and listen, you know, Ezekiel Elliott certainly started a little bit slower than people anticipated, although that tends to happen when you, when you hold out for a couple of games. He started to come on with a bit of a head of steam, and, and certainly Dak Prescott, in spite of having a couple of little hiccups, but he's a guy that's completing 70% of his passes. You know, this offense, Amari Cooper, they're going to move the ball. How do you expect or – what do you hope the Giants defense can do from a scheme standpoint to maybe stymie this offense? Do you want to see them focus in on stopping Zeke and take your chances against Dak? Or do you think that, you know, Mari Cooper is maybe the bigger concern based on what our passing defense has shown so far? I wish I had a really good answer for you. The yeah. reason why they're top five in, in offense is because they are very well balanced. You know, uh, as, as a giant and being slightly biased, I've, had uh, you know my different opinions than others on Dak Prescott. I, I thought that he uh, might have been a little bit overrated, but look at total QBR, number one in the league, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott right now, ahead of Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. So while my, my eyes and my heart tell me that uh, I don't think that he's a very good quarterback, the stats would suggest otherwise. So you know, I would normally say, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is the, the, the engine that makes the car go. Right now, Dak is playing some really good football. And I don't know if there's a right answer on who we stop or how we approach this. 
Yeah, and listen, I mean, you know, 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and that doesn't necessarily jump out off the page at you. But 8.9, nearly nine yards per attempt for him, that, that does stand out to you because that means he's throwing for nearly a first down. And you can imagine when you have Zeke behind you, what a balanced attack you can bring to each and every game. You know, as we go a little bit into the numbers additionally here, third down conversions for them, converting just over about 50% offensively. This is a team that's only given up 17 sacks on the season. I'm trying to kind of figure out an area. The one area that I'm actually noticing, and we'll get into kind of what they've given up defensively as well here, but time of possession is basically even with, with their opposition. So it does mean that whether or not it's because they're moving the ball so successfully and, and scoring sometimes with ease offensively, it does mean that you know, you're going to have your opportunities to have a balanced competition with them. Do you think the Giants can offensively sustain against them and then by and which be in a close game as we get into the second half, third and fourth quarter? Daniel Jones threw for 300 yards against the Lions. Their defense wasn't great, and he had the kind of day that we expected. I mean, no one expected four touchdowns out of him, but I I think at home, divisional game, the, the Giants have to be thinking to themselves, we can be competitive, we can score points to try to stay in the game, and the defense has got to be thinking, can we get one stop, one pivotal stop in the second half where maybe it's a one-possession game and as opposed to uh, you know, what happened in the Cardinal game and what happened in the Lions game and the Vikings game? The defense can make that one stop where we give the offense an opportunity to go down the field and, and make a play and win the game. Yeah, you know, and, and to speak to your point about Daniel, Daniel Jones and building off that confidence, you know, the, here, here's a concern they should have. Opponents are 21 of 80 on third down conversions. So the, the Dallas defense has done a good job getting off the field, and we have certainly have had our struggles on third down conversions. We, t- we highlighted that last week about how, how strong we've looked on first downs from a yards, uh, yard per completion, and yet we still find ourselves in these third and long scenarios. The other thing is, though, listen, they are also giving up uh, 4.2 yards per carry in the run game. And we have arguably the best running back in the league. I, I would put him up against anyone else. And we're going to see two of the best in, in, in this matchup. That's something you'd hope to see them exposed. But I will say you mentioned this last week, and I think it does bear out that the Giants and utilizing Saquon Barkley is less about necessarily the rushing attack unto itself, but about getting him into space and allowing him to, to try to work his magic, as we say. Yeah, and I think what I'm struggling with is – the idea of, you said, you know, who, who do we stop or, or how are we going to approach it? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, I kind of throw a question back to you, and, and I would say, are, are, we more, are you more concerned uh, whether or not we, you know, Saquon has more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott or slash total yards? Or are you hoping to see, you know, Daniel Jones have more passing yards and, and really move the ball down the field more than Dak Prescott? Well, net result, I want I, if I see Daniel Jones has thrown for more yards than Dak Prescott, what I would think that means is defensively we schemed to stop the pass and trusted, you know, trusted, but I mean relied on our defensive front to as much as possible stymie Ezekiel Elliott. But at the end of the game, if I see that Zeke has gone for a hundred, you know, hundred to one hundred twenty-five total yards. I think that's a win for us. I think that that means it's been playing into, the, into what we want. And then, like you said, on the other side of the ball, if we can see Daniel Jones pushing towards that 300-yard passing mark again, that, that to me is the right combination of elements where we're staying competitive in this one because ultimately it will require 
Daniel Jones' arm to keep us in this throughout the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. If if Ezekiel Elliott gets going and the run game gets going, time of position becomes you know bigger and, and more in their favor, obviously. But it also keeps our weakest unit on the field longer, mm-hmm. right? I, I mean, I know that's that sounds very simplistic, but our defense is struggling to get off the field. Our defense is, you know, if they're going to be on the field for 40 minutes uh, in the game, you know, come the fourth quarter, they may just give us a heavy dose um, of Ezekiel Elliott and really just milk the clock and, and wear some of our, you know, defensive line down. Well, yeah, that 100% can be the scenario. And listen, when you're playing a team that has weapons like this, it can happen. But what I would say is, well, one, the player we mentioned before that is coming back this week is going to make his debut. Don't know how much he'll contribute, but Sam Beal is going to be making his debut for the Giants. And I think, based on what the Giants believe he can be for this team, that can offer some flexibility, especially in the secondary. If I had to pick a unit that I have the most confidence in defensively, it is our defensive front. So that's why I think, you know, you're going to say, do what you can against the running game. Try to stuff them. Try to contain Dak. And then everything else we do is going to be about helping the secondary as much as we can to have a successful day. So whether it means rotating players around, shifting Beal into different positions, if he's going to come in sparingly, maybe Jenkins moves in to take on a slot in, in lieu of Grant Haley, depending on how the matchup's you know, play out for us. But I think Betcher now with more weapons, we brought in Buchanan uh, before the last game. He has more weapons. He has more players. There's healthy guys near now. You should be able to try to mix and match, which is what this defense is supposed to be predicated on to help give you some success. And if you can just get off the field a couple of times, instead of it being even the extended drives that go six or seven plays, you get off on a three and out a couple of times in a game. It really saves your defense and the defensive front for later in the fourth quarter when you're hoping to have a key stop and maybe have a Leonard Williams or a, a you know Dexter Lawrence punch through that line, a strong offensive line, and maybe get to Dak Prescott late. Yeah, that was going to be my question to you is, what do you think, if any, uh, impact that Leonard Williams is going to have in this matchup specifically? Leonard Williams, I think, brings a little more athleticism. And I think that at times he'll be able to move out into space, maybe when Dak is trying to roll out of the pocket a little bit and hopefully contain him and stymie some of the things that Dallas will look to do. So I I think he just gives athleticism and flexibility across the line for us. You have Hill, you have Lawrence, you have Tomlinson, and you have Williams. We play in a 3-4, so it means that you have four bodies across that front now and you can hopefully be rotating in high-energy guys, and even on a long drive for the Dallas Cowboys, when the offensive line, which hasn't been as strong as in years past necessarily, still, still a top offensive line, but maybe you get to catch them with a fresh body in there, and you can punch one of them back and get to Dax Prescott. I think that's a that's a very valid point, and I think... I'm crushing it, by the way. Uh, you, I, 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 you I'm are. killing it. Across, yeah, I know. I feel great. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of what I'm hoping to see. I mean, it would be very cliche to say we'd love to see Leonard Williams make a sack or make a big play or, or be that game changer in, in one of those pivotal moments. But I, I think he's shown the ability to, to stuff the run. And sometimes, you know, and, and Jet fans will roll their eyes. You know, he has a lot of those plays that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. So I'm, I'm curious to see if he can – 
you know, put them in third and long on, on you know, a second down run play where, where he can kind of get pressure into the backfield. The, the one thing that we haven't mentioned that is a little bit of a concern for me is Dallas is coming off a bye week. Uh, they've yeah. had a chance to get people healthy, and they really needed it. You know, Amari Cooper was, was a little bit banged up. He was healthy and practicing uh, this week. In addition, you know, they asked Zeke how it felt to not feel beat up on Monday morning like he usually is, and he said he, he was feeling the best that he's felt so far. Uh, I don't know. They've had two weeks to plan for Daniel Jones. I think the bye week came at a perfect time for Dallas and unfortunately at the expense of the Giants. Yeah, and a perfect time to have Jerry Jones come out and give his team a little bit of the kick in the pants. You know, one of the, the other side, we talked about Jamal Adams and the, the Jets rumors. The team that he was rumored to maybe be going to was Dallas. And, and one of the takeaways that you heard in the coverage of the trade deadline was that guess what that also means from a Dallas player standpoint is that your owner, your GM, was trying to improve the defense, right? They're saying you guys aren't doing enough for us. And coming off a of bye week when players get to get healthy again, I think – this could be a little bit of a buzzsaw scenario for the Giants where that defense is looking to come out and make a statement that, yes, we are strong enough to help carry this team into the playoff run, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that is always a concern. A bye week is always a good opportunity to have extra time to prepare, maybe look at what Daniel Jones did successfully through the passing game against Detroit, and then try to make some new tweaks and wrinkles for a rookie quarterback that, is, of course, is going to be susceptible, susceptible to things that he hasn't maybe seen yet in his young career. All right, Andy, I think we could pretty much put a pin in some of the analysis of what we think can come from this matchup. And before we look ahead to when everybody starts licking their chops for us to get into our predictions, we, of course, need to know what we're looking at with the over-under, where are the betting line's at. And, and guess what, my friend? For this kind of information, I'm heading over to mybookie.ag. When I take a look at what's going on over there currently – I don't know, man. Are, are, are you touching the line here with the uh, Giants getting seven at home right now against Dallas? Seven seems like a juicy number, mm. Adam. It does. But what I find interesting is that the line did open at seven and a half. Um, so what does that tell you? That tells you that people are betting the Giants. People like getting a touchdown at home in a division matchup. You, you better believe it, man. And there's some other, there's some other great ones over here on mybookie.ag. I don't know if I, if I would touch this one just yet. It, it's you know, a little too tantalizing as a, as a New York football Giants fan. But they also have Indianapolis Colts at the Steelers giving one and a half. I might drop a couple shekels on that one and see what I can do. And it's not just the NFL that you can cover over on mybookie.ag. They have the NBA lines, NHL, a ton of other sports. I think they even got a little bit of the MMA action on there. You better believe they do MLB, golf, tennis, boxing, soccer. My goodness. And it's not just the traditional spreads and lines that you can take a look at. They're also diving into some prop bets, including points, yards, different goals that might be going on there. So, you know, as we head into the second half of the year, man, now's the time to get in on some of this action. Adam, with the World Series being finished now, maybe you need to get your fix on a different sport. Maybe there's not enough NHL and NBA. My bookie even has the Pinball Pro Circuit Championship betting line. So Here we go. My friend, deep dive. if you have a hankering to take Bowen Karens at plus 225, you can do that in the Pinball <laughs> Pro Circuit Championship all over at mybookie.ag. 
you can go ahead and sign up at mybookie.ag. Use promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and they will match your first deposit. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And new users, that's new users. You can't just keep locking yourself back in and, and grabbing the matching first deposit, but all new users will get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play you win, you get paid. Let's move into the information, buddy. We just talked about it a little bit there. We've got uh, the New York Giants getting seven against the Dallas Cowboys. You said there's been a little bit of movement on this line. What else can you tell us about this matchup? Yeah, it's, it's, what's interesting is it opened at seven and a half, quickly moved down to seven. And since it's been at seven, uh, the majority of money has been going in on Dallas. So they kind of found where the line would settle. It's about a touchdown, which I, I think is probably about right. Um, the over under opened at 48 and has stayed consistent. So I think they're kind of sitting there saying seven and 48 is, is where they feel comfortable. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I know that these lines can't get pushed too far. I, I will say that that almost feels positive. It, it, you know, if, I, if I'm a New York football Giants fan, I maybe even think that we'd be getting a little bit more in this scenario. And obviously I know it's about you know, teasing and tantalizing everybody on either side of it. And the over-under, again, this makes what now three weeks in a row that the over-under for a Giants game is basically right around that 49 mark. I mean, again, is this just saying we're calling for another close one or, you know, within a touchdown essentially, or do you think that this one's going to get stretched out a little bit? Cause I, I can kind of go either way on this as we, as we, you know, mull over where this, this line can end up. The one consistency that we've had so far this season for the giants is that the defense will give up points. That yeah. has been one of the few surefire things, write it down. The giants will give up over 20 to 25 points. They'll probably give up 30 to 35 points. So really it comes down to will the Giants be able to move the ball on offense? Will they be able to put up points? You know, the early forecast looks like it's going to be pretty nice, actually, uh, at MetLife in the Meadowlands. It's going to be around 45, 50 degrees. No rain in the forecast as of today for Monday night. Um, so, you know, Daniel Jones struggled against the Cardinals in the rain, in the wind. Mm -hmm. There's going to be no excuses uh, for this offense to not try to move the ball at home. In a clean, clear game like this, I, I'm hoping that this can be a stepping stone game for Daniel Jones. Do I expect him to throw for four touchdowns like he did against Detroit? No. You know what I'd like to see? I want to see Daniel Jones not have any turnovers. I want a clean game from Daniel Jones. Do you think that he can achieve that? I'm calling it right now. If Daniel Jones does not turn the ball over, the Giants will win on Monday Night Football. Oh, okay. no, hold on a second here. Before we started recording, I, and this is why, you know, we talked about how <laughs> we were doing game selections that uh, Adam was always hedging his bets and letting Andy go first. Then I go ahead and I give you the information that I, I was, oh, I'm dancing on the line of, of calling for a Giants victory, and you steal my thunder right out from under me. Listen, all I said was if there are no turnovers by Daniel Jones, I am calling that the Giants will win on Monday night. Not okay. saying. Let me, yeah, let, me, yeah, right, let me start a question to you then. Do you think that Daniel Jones will have zero turnovers in the Monday night game? My short answer, no. Right. So that leaves the window open for you to make a bold prediction that our listeners want to hear. 
You know, I mean, it, it is so interesting. Something about them not making any moves in terms of players leaving the team at the trade deadline may, just makes me feel like a little more confident that the team thinks that they can continue to build and get better. And obviously, you've already highlighted Leonard Williams coming in. The, the hard part about that is, as you mentioned, well, the one consistency has been that this defense does give up points. So it's not as if keeping the team together is necessarily the best thing in order to find improvements. What I will say is Sam Beal is a bit of an X factor for me in this one. If he can come in and be a contributor for them, maybe you get a couple of deflections and, and it's all the difference in the game of, of a drive where the you know, Dallas Cowboys are going for a touchdown or taking a field goal. I just anticipate some type of rotation from Betcher where you're going to see a lot of these different components coming into play at different phases of the game, depending on what they're looking to do. And I'm, I'm just very curious and very excited that this is a guy we've been waiting two years to see play. It has been a while. It has felt like uh, we've had a lot of anticipation waiting, waiting for him uh, when we, when we took him in the supplemental draft. And so I'm, I'm excited to see why the, the giants took him in that draft. See, um, if he's fully healthy and, and recovered from his injuries. And yeah, that would be a, a nice piece to have, especially knowing that uh, we've talked about Jenkins at length about looking to maybe deal him, but maybe he can learn under Jen- Jenkins and maybe he can kind of pass the baton, pass the proverbial torch over to Sam Beal and, and hope to have him as one of those lockdown corners for next year. And so the, these eight games, I'm excited, uh, maybe not as excited as you, Adam, but I'm definitely excited uh, for his debut for the Giants. I'm trying to turn myself around and find the silver line in the second half this year, and I'm very close to doing it. But listen, we want to tie this into the over-under, obviously, and to the spread that's the, that they currently have out there as of this recording on a Thursday evening. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put it to you, though. I've been making my selections first these last handful of weeks. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Give us your prediction. Where do you think the score ends up? And obviously, we'll gleam from that where you're leaning as far as the over/under and the spread. So this is this has been tough. Um, uh, we both predicted that the Giants uh, would fall to the Detroit Lions. Um, we correctly predicted that, that it would go over, but we did not predict that the Giants would cover the spread. Um, so I, I do want to keep us honest about that. Yep. I have gone back and forth on this. I, I feel like the Giants showed something against Detroit. Daniel Jones did show that he could move the ball. But as we talked about before, I'm concerned about the turnovers for Daniel Jones, and I can't shake that from my mind. And if he plays a clean game, I wholeheartedly believe that we will win. But I could see another strip fumble or a sack fumble or an interception at a costly time. Uh, where the game may be in the balance that's going to you know, cause us some concern. So right now I've got, unfortunately, the Dallas Cowboys 30, the New York Giants 17. Oh, actually, you know what interesting stat line that I'll give you before I give my prediction? It's the first time in Giants franchise history that they were down right. in back-to-back games 14-0 in the first quarter. That's what they accomplished the last two weeks. So that, that, uh, that, and, and if it continues again, you know, Dallas's offense is potent enough where there's just too much catch up to play there. And I don't see us being able to overcome that. Yeah. And in case any of the fans are, are uh, maybe have forgotten about this one, Dak Prescott did throw for a perfect passer rating with 405 yards against the Giants in week one. I know that this is a hard, it's a hard push to make here, right? And the Giants have been struggling these last couple of weeks, few weeks. 
certainly you want, I want to take some positives from Daniel Jones. You know, it's do it, Adam. Do it, Adam. Well, you know, I mean, like, well, here, here's the problem, right? Uh, we, we've been building, I think, steady credibility on our podcast, and that's something that's important to me. And it is about being based in, you know, the reality and what we can see and what we think can happen in a game and, and not just being a, a total homer for the Giants. But... Well, you know what? It's along the lines of, like you said, if, if Daniel Jones can keep it clean, I would then give the Giants a legitimate chance to win this game because I think they're going to – if he's clean, then that means that they're moving the ball successfully offensively and putting some points on the board. And it's really only been turnovers that have at least prevented the Giants from having an opportunity late in games to be able to get a win. Uh, I, I'm going to call for a Giants victory here. Wow. And I'm going to call for it in, a, in the only way that I think makes any sense at all. Now, there's a lot of components to this, and I'm not, I'm not making this claim with any level of confidence. But uh, what I'm looking for is that this offense continues to get into a rhythm. Maybe Shepard is going to be back for this one. Again, you have Saquon another week healthy. I think that this offense can put up points. I think that Evan Ingram can be a problem for this secondary down the middle of the field. And it's not about the defense stopping them. It's just about them slowing them down. I'm calling for Daniel Jones to have a clean game, and I'm calling for a bit of a blow-up and an upset victory. Now, before we leave, before we get out of here, I need to make it clear that deep down in my stomach, I think the Giants are going to lose 30-17. to 17. <laughs> I'm calling for a New York football Giants victory in a show me after all the confidence they traded for a defensive player. They held on to all of their team at the trade deadline. This is a, you know, plant your flag game for the Giants showing you that even if they're not making the playoffs this year, that they are a team you can start to believe in. Adam, I appreciate you going out on a limb, putting your fandom on the line, betting and making predictions with your heart. What's going to be interesting is with me saying the Cowboys are going to win and you saying the Giants win, it's going to break our dead heat in terms of our prediction win-loss record so far this year. You better believe it. And listen, that's a part of this down the stretch here too. I'm not, I'm not about having – I'm not going neck and neck and tying at the end of the season. I want victory, my friend. And as we tie a bow onto this podcast, looking at the Week 9 matchup against the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football – this is the perfect tie-in to say, follow us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at One Giant Podcast. You can get after us. We've been getting even more traction in the last few weeks, which we're really excited about. And I think this will be a good one where Andy and I, you should see some sub-threads going here. It's going to be pretty aggressive, and I'm sure I'm going to take my lumps where I actually have to say win. And also the total that I'm asking for here. Definitely give us a follow. One of the things that uh, Adam and I do uh, as a bonus is we give our Daniel Jones stat line predictions uh, out on social media uh, on Saturday before the game, maybe even Sunday because we have a Monday night game this time. But we'd like to hear from you guys. Are we right? Are we crazy? What are the lines that you're predicting? If you can nail it, we'll make sure to give you a shout out. So feel free to comment. Feel free to let us know what your insights are. And that's going to do it for our Week 9 preview against the Dallas Cowboys coming up on Monday Night Football. And as always, this has been One Giant Podcast. Let's go Big Blue.